So I want to start off just with a little plug, actually. Um, I wasn't here last Sunday. Um, the reason was we were at a lovely wedding. It was uh, Sarah's eldest son, Joe, got married, and quite a few other people from the church were there, and we stayed overnight with our boys. So we weren't here on Sunday morning. Now, I always like to know what the person preached on the week before me. So I just want to give you a plug. It's, I was able to, by Tuesday, listen to Nathan's preach online on the church website. So I just want to encourage you, if you ever miss a Sunday morning and you think, okay, do you know what? I haven't heard the preach, you can, you can get access to it online. It's really easy. You can just go on there, click on there and listen to it. So I just want to give that little plug because sometimes, you know, we do miss a Sunday or we want to be encouraged and listen again. So just that was a little plug to start with. So I realised when I um, started preparing that I preached the last time I preached uh, in June. Now, I only realised this halfway through my preach as I went back to my notes previously And I realised that I was doing a very similar topic, (laughs) which made me laugh. I was like, I hadn't really thought about it properly until halfway through my preparation. I actually preached in June on what's in a name, and it was specifically talking about the names of Jesus, you know, the authority in his name. And actually this morning, I'm going to do what's in a name part two, but this, this time it's talking about the names that we have as Christians, as believers, what we can have. So... So just a sort of reminder, we're obviously doing a series in Acts at the moment. Um, this was written by Luke. Now, to give you background, he was a doctor and he was a Gentile. Now, what a Gentile was, was basically the reference that in the Bible was given to anyone who wasn't Jewish. So that could cover anyone who wasn't of the Jewish faith. So Luke wrote Acts approximately 30 to 40 years after Jesus was crucified and the first church had started. And it's a history of how Christianity was founded and organised and how the community of believers began by faith in the risen Christ and partnered with the Holy Spirit, witnessed, loved and served together and the church spread. So it's actually, it's quite an exciting account. So last week, Nathan spoke from Acts 10. So I'm going to look at Acts 11. So I'm just going to give a quick overview of it. So specifically, Acts 11 is where the early believers were called Christians for the first time. This was the first time they actually referred to as that. So at the beginning of Acts 11, it starts with Peter being criticised for eating and socialising with Gentiles, as we said, non-Jewish people. Uh, Peter explained the vision that he had. Nathan spoke about it last week uh, when going through Acts 10. He had this vision about saying, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Where in Acts 10, Peter was, used, it was given it as an encouragement to do what he did, whereas this time he's now passing it back to the people who are challenging him and saying, look, and it says in Acts, in Acts 11 and 17, it said, if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So he was giving it, so where he had it encouragement before, he was passing it back to the people who were challenging him saying, this is actually God's will. This message is not just for Jewish, this is for everybody. So then the second part is, this is where I'm going to focus on, um, it goes to talk uh, to, about a church in Antioch. Now, Antioch is basically, if in modern day, it's like in Turkey. Uh, it's just sort of not far from the border from Syria, and it's quite close to the coast. The church had been scattered, and Antioch was one of the far destinations that the believers went to. In verse 21, it said, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, Barnabas was sent to Antioch. He was currently in the church in Jerusalem. And he was sent out. He was encouraged by what he saw there. So he then went to Tarsus and found Saul, 
who was also at that time preaching, and brought him to Antioch too. So there was kind of, you can see there, he was trying to bring people together. He said, there's some good stuff going on here. I want to bring in, as he saw it, Barnabas saw it as one of the big guns, because Saul was really preaching and building people up, and he wanted to bring them in to really encourage this church. So in verse 26, we see, So for the whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of people, and then the key bit here, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So you can think, okay, they were called Christians first. Okay, that's the first time they were referred to them. That's quite, if you think about Acts, we're talking about chapter 11 here. We've, it's taken a while to get to that point. Now, now, Luke is writing this, and he would have known you know, at the beginning that this happened and that they were called Christians. He could have called them Christians from the beginning because you know, that was the word. But he actually chooses to use other names prior to this, to use other names that actually describe the attributes of the people who are meeting. So that's what I want to go through this morning. So actually, and interesting enough, the word Christian, it was, it was actually, they were called little Christs or Christ ones. It was actually an insult by the local people in Antioch. It wasn't, it wasn't meant as a, as a compliment. It was actually supposed to be an insult. Um, but actually, Luke and the believers in the church went, oh, we'll take that. Oh, we're happy to be a little Christ. So, but he, as I say, he, uh, he waits until verse 26 before he actually uses that. And the reason is because he uses these other names. So before, back in June, I spoke on the names of Jesus and his character and the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And this morning, I want to look at the names that Luke used in Acts to describe early Christians. So the first name I'm going to look at is brothers or sisters. So brothers. So this was actually Luke's favorite name. He used it about 25 times. And he used it, as, as it were, brothers and sisters, depending on how he referred. Now, the reason for this is because Christians, in making the decision, we've been adopted as children of God. We've given up a previous life and become part of an intimate family. It was also important because this is actually how the Jews referred to one another. So this was a deliberate statement saying that this church was a continuation of the Old Testament. It didn't finish in what was done in the Old Testament. This was a continuing journey. So we're actually not called to be alone. We're called to be part of God's family, to be part of a church family as well. Now, if we look in the New Testament, there are many commands about loving one another, serving one another, teaching one another, bearing with one another, and we are blessed to be part of a glorious community. Now, if those commands don't work if you're walking around on your own, <laughs> but it works when we're as a community together. Now, at this point, this was when I was preparing this, I realised that actually, this is very similar to if you've ever had that description of God as your father, but your experience perhaps with your dad or your father is not very good. So when someone says, if you've had a bad experience with your father, and someone says, God can be a great father to you, sometimes you can think of your worldly father and think, I'm not sure I want that. I don't know if it. But actually, again, this is, this is similar, that it's calling you to a family. Now, families don't always work. Families often have issues, have challenges in them. And if I say being brought into a family, that might actually have a negative connotation to you. You might sit there and think, actually, that fills me with dread. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm, I'm away from parts of my family for a reason. Or it might actually bring back memories of disappointment in the past or hurt. And I just want to say that no families are perfect. Worldly families. And I just want to encourage you that we're called to be part of a different family. 
It's not the same. And it, where your experience may not have been perfect, there may have been areas that actually you're saying, actually, I, I need to move on from that. I, wanna, I encourage later, I'm going to give a call. Where it's, I, I want to say that you can be set free from any challenges in your family. Lizzie, my wife, actually was brought about that breaking, breaking free, of captives breaking free of chains. It might be that, that when she said that, that it triggered in your mind stuff that's got me chained up is to do with family and that actually my relationship with my family is broken down. And it may be things in the past that you need just letting loose, that you need to let go, you need to leave them. Or it may actually be stuff that's going on right now and that we could pray for you and encourage you and support you in. But I just want to say that first. When I'm talking about this family thing, I, don't, I, I was very aware that actually saying family can be, people can go, but actually I want to encourage that we've got a good family as being sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And I also want to, I'm going to take the opportunity, one of our values is honouring. Now, I'm very blessed that I've been in the church quite a few years. I'm going to be 40 next year, and I've been in the church since I was about seven. So this church, I've stayed with it when it first got planted many years ago. There's a few people still around who were there then, but I came along with my brother at the time. So I've been part of this church family for a long time, and I actually have some of my actual biological family come along. So my parents do, my parents-in-law, my wife. But actually, I'm going to take this chance because we, one of our values is honouring. I'm going to honour some people who aren't my biological family, but who have been like family to me. So the first people I'm just going to say is two people who have really encouraged me, and that's Brian and Anne. I just really want to honour them. Now, they've known me and seen me from a small child growing up, but they've always been like, I would say, like spiritual grandparents who've encouraged me. They've stepped up and they've always given me encouragement, really lifted me up and built me up. And, and do you know what? That's such a valuable thing. So I just want to get, you know, we get this opportunity sometimes to honour people and I think it's a good thing. Another, another couple who's Lizzie and I during our marriage, we've been married 11 years. And do you know what? Marriage doesn't go straight. It sometimes goes up and down and we've been through challenging times. We've been through, you know, we lost, we had, Lizzie had a miscarriage. We had things like this, stuff that was really hard. And we went for a period, and actually Nathan and Jenny really supported us as a couple, and have really supported us when we needed support. And the last one, now this is, this is those two are quite, you know, when you encourage people, that, you know, that's something we can do, and it's nice. Support someone. But the last one is actually somebody who's not in the church anymore, but I still want to honour him anyway. And that was a guy, and many people know, Andy Phillips. Now, Andy Phillips, he did the tough thing, okay? He did something, he challenged me. I was probably late teens, early 20s, and my relationship with God wasn't good. I was, came to church now and again. I wasn't really involved as much as I used to be as a teenager. And I was just kind of dipping in and out. And I think he was aware of that. And he saw that perhaps I was at that point where it could have gone one of two ways. I could have gone off and walked out of the church, moved off and gone and done my own thing. Or, and he took the difficult decision. Now, it's easy to go alongside someone and try and encourage them and say, hey, come along. But actually, he didn't do that. He said, what are you playing at? He, he got in my face and said, You're, this is not what you need to be doing. Now, if you do that out of no relationship to somebody, it doesn't work. If I went up to someone I barely know and say, what are you playing at? They get defensive. They don't want to hear it. They'll walk away. Whereas Andy and I had a very good relationship. I knew he cared about me. I knew he had the best. He wanted the best for me. And because of that, when he came and said that, instead of being defensive it actually landed. It landed, went through my defences and in my heart, and I went, no, you're right. What am I playing at? 
So I just want to say that those are, those are some people who, during my, my church family, who've challenged, and I think challenging is hard, okay? If you've got to make the decision to challenge someone, it's got to be out of a relationship, there's a bit of risk there, but, but actually it's good to not just let someone go into somewhere that's not good. You, sometimes we need to step out in that. Now, I want to encourage you, this, this whole family thing, it's a two-way. We have to be open to receive it. We have to be open to be supported. We can, we can be in a position where if someone offers support, we go, no, no, I'm fine. Or if someone encourages you, you go, that's nice, but I'm not going to hear it. Or we can make the decision to receive it. And I want to encourage you that, you know, you, we have to make that choice. That is a choice to receive and be part of it. On the flip side, it's a choice we make to do the encouragement, to do the supporting. I think this is part, it's a two-choice thing. If we want to be part of the family, we have to choose to receive encouragement and choose to give it. And I want to encourage you all. This isn't, this isn't a sort of saying, I think you should all step up. But I actually encourage you to be as part of the family, to look around you. Who needs support? Who needs encouragement? And give it. But equally, if you are feeling you need support, don't feel ashamed of that. Feel free to say, I need help at the moment. I need that encouragement. So we have an amazing example of this in Jesus. If you look through the Gospels, if you read through them, how he dealt with people, how he built them up, how he challenged them, and how he just supported people. He's the great example of that. And I just encourage you, if you, if you want to know the best example of how to do it, just read through any of the Gospels about Jesus, how he dealt with people, and particularly how he dealt with his disciples who he was with every day. But, I want to step in that I've talked about our church family and how we support each other, but I want to say that that's just part of it. The most important part is actually realising the reason they were calling each other brothers and sisters is because they knew who their father was. We're adopted children of God. When we choose to, be a, you know, choose to follow Jesus, we become adopted into his family. And being adopted into his family is having a relationship with him. And that's a bigger deal than just the relationship we have in the church around us. In John 14, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Having a relationship with your Father in heaven is what Christianity is all about. It's, it's good to have a relationship with the people around you in your church, but it's the relationship with him that's the most important part. So that's talking about brothers and sisters. The next name he gave was Disciples. So what is a disciple? Slightly unusual word. We don't use it that often in our normal sort of language. But a disciple is a student or a follower of a teacher or a leader. The leader, the leader or teacher Luke was, of course, referring to was Jesus. See, I remember seeing a video, and I actually talked about it a little bit in our connect group, our midweek group this week. Um, I remember seeing a video and a man was talking about Old Testament times and he was saying, talking about a rabbi and the rabbi was a Jewish teacher at the time and they would travel teaching and they'd travel about and some of their most fervent students, their disciples, would follow them around. Now, 
let's think about ancient Israel. It would have been quite dry and dusty. It wouldn't have been paved roads, many. Uh, there definitely wouldn't have been tarmac roads. If they were roads, they would have been stone roads. There's still a lot of dust on them. It was often very hot as well, so they would have been quite sweaty. Now, these students would have been following the rabbi. And you can imagine, as they're walking along, they would have been kicking up a lot of dust. Now, this, this, this word was talking about the fact that the students who followed closest to the rabbis were covered in dust. They were sweaty, the dust kicked up off their shoes, they were covered in the dust from these rabbis. And you could see the ones that were following the closest based on how dirty they were. <laughs> it was an interesting image because I'd never thought of it like that. But actually, that's how we can be. If we're, let's think about it. How dusty are we? How covered in the dust of Jesus are we? How close are we following behind him? Wouldn't it be great to be absolutely covered? Because actually, if we want to earn that name, that, that little Christ's name, we need to be really close to the real thing, to really know what he's like. Now, I was hugely challenged when I was preparing this preach. As I have to ask myself, whenever I prepare something, I have to ask myself the questions that I'm talking about. And I said to myself, how close are you following? And I only came up with one answer, and that was not as close as I would like to be. And do you know what? I just want to encourage you in this place. This isn't a place of guilt. This isn't about worrying about guilt of that. But it's actually, I felt disappointed. Now, I, the example I would give is, my wife often goes out. She, she does a lot of youth work. So often she's out at the moment. They're doing youth alpha on a Wednesday night and a Friday night. She does youth. So those evenings I'm usually to, I have to myself. I can do my own thing. But I usually have a little list given to me at the beginning. Just a few little things Lizzie would like me to achieve during the evening apart from doing other things. So it might be a few jobs. Now, sometimes I forget to do these jobs because I get tired. I get start doing something else. I might, you know, it might be fine. I might be because I've got other things to do and I don't get to all of them. Now, if I don't do one of those jobs, I feel quite guilty. I feel I've let her down a bit and I feel a bit guilty. But it's a feeling of guilt. There's a different thing is that I'm really fortunate. I work just the other end of Chertsey. I live in Adelston. Um, I can get home. I ride my bike, so I don't worry about the traffic. So I can get home in about six or seven minutes. So I'm very fortunate that I finish work, I get home, and I always get to bath my two little boys in the evening. And I love that. I love doing it. But there are times, unfortunately, where work takes over and I have to work a bit later, and I miss that time. Do you know what? I don't feel guilty for missing that time with them. I feel disappointed. I feel I've missed out. It's not that I feel that I've let them down. I feel oh, it would have been really good to have that time with my boys. And that's what I want to encourage you here. This is what that following closely with Jesus should. It shouldn't, don't feel guilty about, oh, I haven't spent time reading my Bible. I haven't done this. It's not about a guilt thing. Feel disappointed. Feel hungry. Because I don't want this to feel like condemnation it should be that, actually, I want to encourage you to rekindle your hunger. Re-put your eyes on him. And I know the times I walk closest are the times that I know him closest. I think it was brought earlier as in, in James 4. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I just want to encourage you as well. We're talking about discipleship. This week, a lot of our midweek groups, our connect groups, have started a course called Discipleship Explored. It's a really good course. It's aimed at 
learning more about God and building our relationships with him. It's a really good opportunity. I want to encourage you all, if you're not part of one of our small groups in midweek, we'd love you to be part of one. If you, if you are part, but you don't go along to one, I want to encourage you, go along. It's a really good opportunity to think, okay, this is a time I can go back. I want to be part of this. If, you, if you're sitting here thinking, I don't know anything about these midweek groups. What, what is Dave talking about? I want to say, come and have a chat with me or our journey's leading the meeting afterwards. We'd love to engage you with one of our small groups because this is good stuff. We're, we're in a big family here. We're a big group. What we have is our smaller groups that give you an opportunity to spend time getting to know a smaller group of people more intimately, perhaps share a little bit more life with them. So I just really encourage you, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'd like that, but I don't have it at the moment, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. So the third name, now this is an unusual one, and he called them those belonging to the way, or the word you could use for this is wayfarer, and actually that word wayfarer means a person who travels. Now, the key bit on this is there is nothing static about following Jesus. We are walking his path day by day. When we first made the choice to follow Jesus, It's like putting on boots, picking up our pack and starting a journey. And it doesn't end. It just keeps on. Now, the speed of our journey, the direction of our journey may change over period, but we're still always on that journey. And again, similar to that discipleship picture, we might not be as close to Jesus as we like on that journey. And we might be following at a different speed to someone else. But I want to encourage you, you are all on that journey. So the next name, which is, this is an interesting one, was saints. And it's really key here that Luke referred to all believers, not just the leaders, not just those who were following closest to Jesus as the saints or the holy ones. The Greek word he used was hagos, which means, meant that Christians were set apart from the world to live lives that reflect a holy God. Now, we are not made holy by how well we are being disciples or how closely we're following Jesus. We are made holy by grace. It's not by our actions, and this is so important. I spoke about those, you know, discipleship, disciple or wayfarer as names where we're following, but those do not have an impact on it, on our holiness. It is purely in Jesus. So we need to get out of a mindset that we need to achieve holiness, as we can't. It's by grace that we are saved and made holy. It's through our faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that we are made holy. Now, the impact of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is that we should be visibly different from the outside world. The fruit that is displayed by the Holy Spirit will mean that people will see what God is really like. Now, this one, the next name, is those who call on the name of the Lord. Now, this goes back to where I was speaking In June, I was speaking about the names that Jesus had and calling on the name. And I spoke about this and I talked about in Acts 3, verse 6, Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So they were people who called on the name of God. Now, this isn't something we do culturally now. We don't call on the name of things. This is something they did then. So they actually used it as an authority. And this is what I want to encourage you here, that we don't have personal power in these situations. 
Peter didn't have personal power to heal. He couldn't heal. But the authority that comes through Jesus does allow that. And I want to encourage you, back then, if you look, people in that culture then, the people took authority in the names of things. In the, the Romans would say, in the name of Caesar. They, it was quite often in families, in business, they would say, in the name of my father, which was if, if a son was there doing business, he would say, in the name of my father, I, I'm doing this on behalf of my father. It's as if he was here doing the deal. But it's not something we do now. And actually, for us to say in the name of Jesus, we need to know, or in the name of the Father, we need to know who we are. Because we can only use the authority we have in Christ. If we know we're a son or a daughter, we can use that authority. Now that authority, we can praise in the name of the Lord. Pray in the name of the Lord. Issue commands, you know, commands for healing in the name of the Lord. Take refuge in the name of the Lord. We even become a Christian by calling on the name of the Lord and receiving salvation. So that's why when Luke talked about it, those who call on the name of the Lord, this was because these people were different. They called on the name of the Lord, and that's something that the normal people, the Gentiles, the Jewish, the Jews at the time would have been calling on the name of the Lord. But he was saying that they were calling on the name of Jesus, and this made them different. So the final name that I've got is the name that I think is, is the most interesting, which is believers. And the reason I think I'll go through why I think this is the most interesting. Now, the dictionary definition of a believer is a person who believes in the truth or existence of something or a person who believes in a specific, that a specific thing is right, effective, or acceptable. Now, we are saved by our faith in Jesus. As Nathan mentioned last week, in Acts 10, there was a guy called Cornelius who was a man who did good. He prayed. He sought after God. But he only became a Christian when he met with Peter, heard the gospel, believed, and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke writes in verse 1, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. We do not believe if we have not received the word of God. In Romans 1, verse 17, it says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. When you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you have life in his name. There is, in fact, no other name under heaven, under heaven, given among men whereby you can be saved. This is a fundamental cornerstone of being a Christian, is faith in Jesus. Now, the other names that I talked about, they talk about actions or characteristics of believers, but this is the only one that truly defines someone as being a Christian. You can do the other things, and they're good things, but this is the one that defines you. You might be here and actually feel part of this community and family, feel like a brother and sister. And you know what? I want to say it's really good, and we want you to come and feel part of the community, feel like you're a brother or sister, feel accepted. And actually, but as I said when I was talking about the brothers and sisters, it's only part of, the, part of it. The physical family around you, there's so much more 
being a daughter or a son of the King of Kings, being part of his family. Nathan talked about last week, there isn't multiple ways to that relationship with God. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that a way is made for us to have a relationship with our Father God. Now, I was trying to think of a a comparison, and unfortunately my brain is very single-dimensional in these things. So the comparison I came up was to do with sport. Unfortunately, I do like sport. Um, The comparison I had was, it's like being a football supporter. You might go with your friends who also support the same team, go down to the pub, watch it on TV, watch a match. You like talking about it, sharing about it, or you might even go along to a game. And there's camaraderie, the people are next to each other, talking about it, watching what's going on. Very close, you know, you can feel the atmosphere, everything like that. Watching it very close up. But that's not the same as being a player on the pitch. It's not the same as getting directions from the manager. Being part of the team effort. Giving responsibility to take an important free kick. We look at our teammates and realise that we've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus beside us who want to partner with us. There's a difference there. And that's the difference between just being part of a family. And actually, you know what? It's great. And that's what I'm saying is that there's nothing wrong with it. But I want to encourage you that taking that step, it makes a difference. Being part of the family is more, you know, knowing you're a son or a daughter of the king. When I prepared this, I, I always try and sort of think to myself, okay, what, what are my key things that I really want to encourage people and really take? And I prayed about it, and the two areas I just wanted to, I felt that, you know, the Holy Spirit might be talking to me. Well, I shared it earlier, is when I talked about being adopted into a family, the thought, if that thought of being part of a family filled you with dread or bad memories, I felt that... God wants to set you free from this. Okay, if you've got history that you need to leave, you need to walk away from, you need to, stuff that's still holding on to you that happened years, decades ago, that God wants to set you free from this. He is a God of the breakthrough in our situations past and present. So I, if, if there's stuff that's going on at the moment, he can break through in that situation as well. He can heal stuff that's happened in the past that you need to let go of. Or he can move you forward in the situations that are here. So I, I, I want to encourage that we, we'd love to pray. I'm going to, Barney is going to play in a minute and they're going to play. But if, if you know that you've got stuff that you just need to let go of, just, just let go of. Or just say to God, I don't know how to deal with this. All I know is I need to deal with it. It's holding me back. It's hurting me, whatever it may be. I just want to encourage you. We'd love to pray with you. And the other area was, if you're currently sitting there thinking, am I a Christian? If you're not sure whether you've made that decision to follow Jesus, and you would actually like to take that step, or just talk to someone some more about it and understand it a bit more. We have an amazing course that we're running pretty regularly called Christianity Explored. But if you'd like to have a chat about it, or just come and speak or pray about it, I'd love to come and talk to you don't leave if you feel John this is something I want to know what's the difference between just being you know having a good relationship with the people around me but actually being a son or a daughter I just want to encourage you there so I just we're going to you know Barney and Steph are going to just play with you wrong if, if either of those points is something that you just I'm going to be over here I know 
uh, Eric will probably be over here as well. But we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, you know, God wants you to be part of his family. And he wants you to be in a good place. He wants to help you with the situations you're in because he loves you.